thank the Lord that his evidence, his presence is all around, his wonders, his miracles. And uh, thank you, team. Brilliant. Um, it's just so good to spend some time in worship together and do communion in person. And uh, um, I must say, this coming Sunday morning is our last Zoom Sunday morning. And um, it'd be great to have as many as possible with us on Sunday. Uh, we may do some um, going back over the year and just have some fun with some of the things that's happened. Um, that's going to be good. Um, also, next Sunday night is our last Sunday night doing Sunday night local uh, because um, the following Sunday we will be here on the Sunday morning. What that's going to look like, we don't know right now, uh, but we will keep you informed whether we need to do one, two or three services. We will be doing morning services regardless. Um, not regardless of what the government says, regardless of restrictions, numbers, face masks and all the rest of it. We will be doing it. We have to, if we have to do it reduced in number, we will still gather together and have Sunday morning. So uh, we're looking forward to doing that in two weeks' time. Not next Sunday. Join us on Zoom. Join us Sunday night. And um, it's just going to be an exciting time. So thank you for being here tonight. Give us a clap to let the people at home know you're here. We want to thank you for coming out and joining us uh, week in, week out. And for those who are at home watching online, thank you for being a part. Feel free to write in the box that you're listening. Um, that way I can go back and check and see that you are. That's cheeky. <laughs> I, only kidding. Only kidding. So uh, tonight we're going to carry on. This week and next week we're actually going to carry on um, following the series of thought, Consider Your Ways. Um, just as we've been gathering um, around the book of Haggai, or Haggai, depending on how you like to pronounce him, um, I just really believe there's so much that's in these few passages of Scripture, written way, way back in the Old Testament by one of them, Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets, and yet it's so relevant to our today and where we are as a church and where the church is um, in this world today. Um, I guess, like me, you're thinking as things open up um, and there becomes more meetings or more things to do and you can go and visit more people and you can have more people around and all of a sudden there is this treadmill. Have you ever seen a hamster or if you had a rat or, or some rodent um, and, and they're on this, this, this wheel that, that, that they're running like mad but they're getting absolutely nowhere. Well, sometimes that's how life can be, and that's how it can feel. Like you're just running, you're chasing, you're doing, you're being, you're at everything. And, and actually, you, you feel like you're on this treadmill, going nowhere, achieving little. But it's just what life is like. And in some senses, during this last year and a half, some, some have been able to stop. Some have been on furlough, some have stopped doing church, some have stopped doing anything. And it's, it's now time, not necessarily to get on the treadmill of life, but actually to start getting back motivated to live for the king and the kingdom and be involved in kingdom things. Sometimes, being so busy, we begin to lose sight of those things that are vital or necessary or important and it's, it's, it's in these moments where we can lose sight of God in the midst of our business we can be doing godly things we can be doing churchy things 
But how many of you know you can lose sight of God in the journey? You can lose sight of his presence. You can lose sight of his heart for you. Because I guess some of us by default are Martha's. We're running around doing things for God. And yet he's saying, I want you to be Mary right now and be at my feet. I know talking Mary Martha amongst a bunch of guys, you know, it, it doesn't fit. But it does fit because sometimes in all our doing, we need to stop and be in his presence. And just allow him to minister to us. Allow him to build us up on the inside of who we're doing. So what we don't want to do is all of a sudden open everything up and everyone is now recklessly running on a treadmill where they're busy doing a five, six day week, where they're looking after their families, where they're trying to earn a living, while they're trying to stay healthy and fit. And yet they're just running this race, the rat race of life. Yes, we're called to run a race. It's the race of faith. We're not called to run in the rat race of life. So it's about having priorities. What are the priorities in our life? And I believe it's vital that we know what the priorities are. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the things that the rat race run after... <laughs> or try and achieve, or try and be and do, all those things will be added to us. We will have grace, we will have the ability, we will have the strength, we will have time to do the other things. But it's about priority. Seek first God and the kingdom and his righteousness. And I guess for many of us, we can become so busy with things, perhaps our hobbies, our activities, taking kids to to school activities, to their out-of-hours activities, to, to other activities, to doing their homework when they get home, to doing life, to cook and provide. All of a sudden, life can become so full that we begin to feel we don't have time for God's house. We're so busy with our house. You know, when, when, when I think we've got six kids, we'd like to see all six of them on a regular basis. We, we then got nearly nine grandchildren. We'd like to get to see them at some point, but there's not nine days in a week. Um, so we're not going to get to see each one every week. And the likelihood is we don't see them uh, necessarily every month. Then there's my mum, there's my two brothers, and then there's the wider family. And, the, and then there's church life, and then there's work life, and then there's visiting. And, and you think, yeah, I might as well be on a treadmill running as fast as I can wearing myself out but we can only do what we can do when we can do it it's about priority fitting the right priority in the right place and over the last few weeks you would have heard me say this over and over again therefore thus says the lord let's consider our ways Haggai was saying this to the jews the remnant of the jews who had come back into Israel, he was speaking it over their lives because they were so busy doing their own thing, doing it their way. And yet God reminded them, look, you've got to do it my way. I'm going to read from Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 to 9. We've read this over and over again, but it's got to be done again. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, 
Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. See, God knew what was going on in their lives. He knew the consequences of not building his house. He knew that their lives were laying in ruins, even though they'd just come from captivity. They were now captive to their own freedom. And he goes on and says, you have so much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And then he goes on, he says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much. But indeed, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own houses. And I, this, this scripture has is, is just been ministering to me and, and causing me to consider my ways, consider what I do, how I do, how often I, I'm involved in different things. And to bring some order and some specifics in my life of what I believe should be done and when. The Jewish people at the time were living self-centered, selfish lives and showed no interest in building God's house. Now, I guess if you walked up and down the country or you drove from church to church or you had a look at what church statistics looked like, a year and a half on from the day they closed back in March, March the 23rd or whatever it was in 2020. And you look at what church is like and how many people have not attended one Zoom meeting. They've not attended one evening meeting. They've not been involved in any of the Caring Hands projects. They've not got involved in any area at all for a year and a half. My heart is concerned about their journey. There are some that I've had conversations with and they've been doing great church at home. And we absolutely celebrate what you've been doing. Because iron sharpens iron and we need to build each other. And having that fellowship time, whether it's here or at home, is so vital. And well done if that's what you've been doing. But there is this collective coming together that is vital in the journey of the body of Christ. Coming together as one. And, and here Haggai is saying... That the word of the Lord through Haggai was, we've got to build the temple. We've got to build the house of God. We've got to come together and do something for the house of God. God's patience and his love for them was just saying, look, I, you've got to look at the situation. You're working so hard, but what you're doing is not achieving. You're trying to do this, but it's not working. Can't you see You've not placed me at the priority of your life. And he says, look, consider your ways. That term, literally, consider your ways, literally means to put your heart on the roads. To put your heart on, the, on your roads. And there are many roads in our life. You know, 
there is the pathway that I do with my work life. You, you go off to work and do whatever it is. That's one road in your life. You may have lots of sports and hobbies. You know, another road in your life may be off to the gym. You may have another road where you go to church. You may have another road which is your family. There are many roads in our life. And this, this term literally means to put your heart on your roads, to consider the road in which you're on. Consider whether God is at the centre of that road or whether that road leads to sin or whether that road leads to confusion. We've got to put our heart on the roads and consider our ways. Because every one of us, you know, if you drive or whether you cycle, whether you walk, we all encounter crossroads in our life. You know, where two roads meet and there's a junction, we've all got a left, a right, a straight ahead, or if you've been on the wrong journey, then you can turn around and go back the way you were. We face crossroads throughout, the, throughout our days, throughout our life. And these crossroads moments, they can be significant strategic moments in our life. I believe when I met Jane for the first time was a crossroads moment in my life because it was through her that God spoke to me and showed me how much God loved me. And as I encountered the love of God through Jane, my life began to change. And I believe that was a crossroads moment. It was a defining moment. It was a, it was a suddenly moment in my life. See, God is, God is looking to bring you to a junction, to a crossroads, to a moment in your life where you take notice of the next step in your life. There are many moments when I've been in my life and I've taken the wrong turn. Not just in my car, following a sat-nav that is supposed to be taking me to A to B, but literally driving and taking the wrong turn. But in my life, my natural life, I've been on a journey and taken a wrong path and then got on, my, on with my own life, doing my own thing, and eventually God has drawn me back and positioned me again. And I've wandered off doing my own thing and he's drawn me back and positioned me again. And I believe we all encounter crossroads moments in our life. And, and this, this particular scripture talks about, where is it? Put your heart on your roads. When, when you're considering the journey, when you're considering the thought or the temptation or the sin that's before you, you need to consider your ways. You need to put your heart on the road. Will this lead me to the path of destruction? Will it lead me to a place I don't want to go? Because every one of us can be led astray. We can be led off track. And those are the moments when the enemy has a field day in our life. So we all face crossroads. And they can be, I've defined three. There are times when crossroad moments come our way and they are distractions from the enemy. Or they are detours in our life. Whenever we go on a detour in our life and it's, and it's a distraction from the enemy, it will always bring hurt eventually in your life. That immediate distraction may feel good. It may look good. It may, 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 it may uh, cause you to find pleasure in the distraction and you think, oh, this is the good path or I'm, I'm enjoying life doing what I'm doing now. But if it takes you away from the heart of God, 
It is always a distraction or a detour that's going to take you in the wilderness of your life until you come back to the place of the next crossroads where we choose, choose you this day whom you will serve. And we have those choices over and over again. Some crossroads in our lives can be moments of personal choice. Choose either direction because both ways are good. And I believe God brings those moments in our life. You know, sometimes when, if you get a job or a promotion or, or God's leading you in a particular way and you think, which one do I choose? Well, actually, God is saying, both are good. I'm providing both. What would you prefer? And I believe there are moments in our life where we choose the path because God has already gone before us and blessed the path because he knows that journey will, will end up in good. And then other crossroads that are before us can be very specific regarding the will and the purpose of God in our lives. You know, I, me I remember the moment I was actually at a T-junction, um, not a crossroads, I was at a T-junction um, on my post round when the Lord called me to ministry. And I guess I could have gone one of three ways. I could have gone my own way, I could have gone God's way, or I could have ignored either way. And just wandered off into to, to nothing. But God called me and I heard and I knew it was the call of God upon my life. It took 11 years before that call came to fruition. It was 11 years later. And do you know what? During that 11 years I could have got discouraged. I could have got frustrated. I could have thought, well, maybe that wasn't the word of the Lord. But in moments like that and you think, I'm sure that was God. You hold on to it with all of your might and you don't let the enemy take away what you know God has called you to do. So there are three, I guess, very distinct crossroads that we can meet in our life. The first one, the one from the enemy, can come in all, all sorts of disguises. And we need to know the wiles or the ways of the enemy so that we know his distractions that come our way. We need, at moments of crossroads, to really consider our ways, to put our heart on the road and to say, God, is this what you're leading me to? Is this the direction you, the, you want me in? I love this scripture. I, I found it from this translation, the, the uh, God's word translation. Psalm 84 verse 5 says this, Blessed are those who find strength in you. Again, you could pause there and you could preach that and it's like, blessed are those who's, who find their strength in you. But it goes on, their hearts are on the road that leads to you. There's the key to the crossroads in our lives. Blessed, is the, blessed are those who find strength in the, their hearts are on the road that lead to you. And I just want to encourage you, that in life, whether, you, whether, that's, whether that's sort of at retirement age, whether that's in your working life, whether that's in school or college, that we keep our heart on the road that leads to God. Remember, there are two paths. There's the narrow way that leads to life, and there is the wide way which the world is on. It's easy. It's, it's full of temptation. It's full of what seems like good things. But actually they're there to, for the destruction of your life. We need to be aware of the path that we're on. I love that. 
their hearts are on the road that leads to him. Always consider, is this going to lead me to God or is this leading me away from God? When the children of Israel heard the prophecy from Haggai, Haggai, what did they do? They heard the word of the Lord. Consider your ways. When they heard that, they immediately changed the direction in which they're on. At first, they were, they were happy building their own panelled houses. They were, they were happy with their own entertainment. They were happy with, with whatever was involved in their life but God. Then they heard the correction of God and they changed their ways. They reset their priorities. They, they changed their pursuit. Everything about them suddenly changed. Tonight, I guess we've got to ask the question of God, does, or the question of ourselves, does God have first place in our life? Does God have first place in your life? Because that's a really important question, because we will never have our, our, our heart on the road that leads to him if our heart is distant from him. We have got to determine that we're going to place our heart and our feet and our attention and our, our gaze on him. And when we do, we'll follow the path that he's leading us on. So the change, the change for Israel, the remnant that were there, it was massive. They, they, and it was across the board from Zerubbabel to the high priest to the everyday person. Everybody's life was affected by the word of the Lord. Now, I, I guess, I guess, you know, this, this word by Haggai, the prophet, what is it today that's going to cause the church to rise up? What is it that's going to suddenly cause the church in the 21st century, in 2021, to suddenly, you know, the backslidden, the, the worn out, the wilderness walkers, wherever they may be right now in life, what is it that's going to cause them to turn their eyes back to God or to turn up back in church what is it that's suddenly going to happen there needs to be the word of the lord they need to hear it for themselves i'm, I'm not saying oh, we're, we're only a small remnant because we're here tonight there are many who will be back in time for where, whatever reason there's you're still at home that's down to you but right now there is something moving something stirring and I am so excited what God is doing, just like it was with the children of Israel. I'm going to read from Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. And it says this. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehokadak, the high priest, or something like that, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. The voice of the Lord their their God. There was ownership. They knew the Lord, their God. And the words of Haggai, the prophet. So not only did they, they trust what God was saying, they trusted the man of God that was saying it. And I think that's really interesting that, that he had such a weight and a, a respect from the people that when Haggai stood up and he began to prophesy and he began to say, thus says the Lord, the people heard what God was saying but they also respected the man of God saying it. And it goes on, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. 
Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. I am. How many times did Jesus say, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I, Jesus revealed himself as the great I am. And here it says, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, and governor, uh, uh, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehogadak, the high priest. It makes me want to spit when I say that name. Sorry. <coughs> this, and, 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 and the high priest. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people came and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Again, it's, 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 he was their God. It wasn't, well, he's your God or he was a God. He, he, twice here it's saying, their God. They recognised how close he was to them. They acknowledged he was their God in this situation. And on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius... And there are some things there that I just really want to pull out because there is, I believe they were relevant for our life again today. First thing is, there's three things I want to pull out here. The first thing is the people feared the presence of the Lord. You know, when, when, when the, scripture, the scripture says, um, and they obeyed the, verse, the voice of the Lord their God. Where does it say? Uh, yes, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. The first thing I want us to recognize is that when they began to obey, when their heart was positioned in the right place, there was a fear for God. Not a fear as in, I'm going to whack you one. A wonder, an awe, a splendor. An, an, an amazement of who God is in their life. An awe of his majesty and power and might and glory. There was something that changed in their heart when they recognized he was their God in the midst of them. And his presence was all around them. I tell you, when we come together, let's not become so familiar with one another that we miss the presence of God in the room. Because if we, if we become so familiar with one another and we don't recognise the presence of God in us, in this room, and collectively the anointing of God here, we will miss out on the signs and the wonders and the miracles. But it's as we, as we step back and the people fear the presence of the Lord, that's when he comes in power. In might and in splendor. I love this. And the second thing really in this scripture that, that really stuck, stuck out to me was the word of the Lord came and he said, I am with you. I, I just love this because we know in the Old Testament the Spirit of God would move upon a person and then leave. The presence of God would fill the temple and then leave. The Ark of the Covenant was filled with the temple of God. And wherever they went, the, 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 the presence of God went with them in the, te, in, in the Ark of the Covenant. In the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. 
but he moved upon the heart of men and women and then left. But here it says, I am with you. Do you know what? That same promise is repeated again in the New Testament. He says, I am with you and will never leave you. He adds something to this wonderful revelation. Not only am I with you, but I will now never leave you. I have taken up residence within you. The power of the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit now fills this vessel. He said, I'm going to take up residence and abide within you. The revelation there, it, it so changed the children of Israel when they, when they heard it. There was an excitement. There was a, a passion to build his house. Do you know what? If they had that then, how much more should we have today? Oh, we should be absolutely buzzing. The, uh, the power of God buzzing through us like electricity. Uh, I, my next door neighbour, um, they've got, um, I was going to say false, they've got an electric, electric fence in the back of their garden. They've got all sorts of rodents that, that like coming in their garden. And um, they've got an electric fence and um, the lady went down the end of the garden and, and turned it on yesterday for the first time. And... Um, and, and <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but she got the electric shock, not the rodents. And um, she, she, they, they, they told me this this afternoon. They were both laughing about it. He, he had great pleasure in telling me about it while she was standing next to him. Um, but do you know what? That kind of electricity, that kind of energy, that kind of power that, that can surge through a, a connection with electricity... If we're connected to God by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more should the power of God be flowing through our life? He is not, and he says, I am with you. And they had a heart to build. They had a heart to, to do something amazing for God. The revelation for us is, I am with you and I will never leave you. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that beautiful? Third thing is this. The Lord stirred up the Spirit in their heart. Now, the Lord, it says, let me go back to it. The Lord stirred up the Spirit of Zerubbabel and the Spirit of Joshua and the Spirit of all the remnant. Why? Because, again, the Spirit of God came upon them and then left. The Bible says that the Spirit of God now dwells within us. So the Spirit of God is not going to stir up the Spirit of God within us. But we do know in Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, stir up the, the gifts of the Spirit in your life. We've got to do the stirring. We've got to come alive to the things of God. We've got to shut out the world and come alive to God on the inside. He's no longer going to stir us up. He's placed the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. That's the wonder of the new creation. That's the wonder of being a spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christian. We have the spirit of God in us. We now need to stir ourselves up in our most holy faith. We need to stir up the gifts of the spirit in our life. God can't do it. He's given us all of who he is. We just need to get ourselves in the right place so that we are on fire. You know, Jesus turned around and says, John may baptize you with water, but hey, you wait till you've been baptized by me. It will be with, with the Spirit and fire. 
You know, electricity, I guess, is in, in, is in the form of fire. Then you have that power, that, that, that driving force in our life. We've just got to stir ourselves up day after day, coming back to him saying, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, he will quicken this mortal body. We've just got to be, we just got to come alive. We've just got to spiritually t- tune in to the things of the Spirit and come alive on the inside. Let me just, we're running out of time. It's interesting, I, I've written this down, it's interesting that the people's obedience of God or obedience to God caused them to be aware of the manifest presence of God. If we want to see the manifest presence of God, we've got to walk in a level of obedience. It's got to happen. And the second thing is blessing comes through obedience if we want to see blessing in our life we can't walk around doing our own thing we've got to walk in obedience to him Zerubbabel started the reconstruction project from rubble of broken down of a broken down city and the ruins of shattered lives do you know what tonight whether you're at home whether you're listening whether you're here we can begin to rebuild a relationship with God that may be distant, it may be broken, there may be things in our life that are wrong or, or, or distracted or there may be sin or temptation that you keep giving into. What I'm saying tonight is if Zerubbabel could build the temple of God from a, a, a city that was in ruins and lives that were shattered, he can do something, God can do something with us. You know, we are marred vessels. We are. But what what do we do with a marred vessel? We put the clay back on the potter's wheel and we allow him to mold us, allow him to make us vessels that can be used for his glory and for his kingdom. And we need to keep coming back to that table, say, here I am, Lord, forgive me. Here I am, do something with me. I've got my heart to the road. I may have made mistakes, but you know my heart. I'm getting back on the potter's wheel. Fill me with oil. Fill me with your water. Fill me with the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit in my life that I can be used as a vessel of honor in your hands. But we've got to take responsibility for our lives. I can't do this for you. I can preach to my I can preach my heart out. I can encourage you. I can say this is how my life's been. But we've got to take a hold of God and live it out ourselves. We've got to take responsibility for God's house. I, I, you know, it's lovely. I mentioned you know, so, someone walked into the building tonight and I went over and I said, Hey, do you do you fancy coming along and helping us in this particular area? Do you know what? They didn't, they didn't, uh, no, no, that's not for me. They didn't say, well, give me a few more weeks or a few more months. Do you know what they did? They went, yeah, count me in. It's like, oh, that is the easiest moment of asking someone for help I've ever had in my life. Well, yeah, it probably was actually. It was like, brilliant. And, and they were so thankful. It's like, no, I'm thankful. No, no, I am thankful. No, no, I'm thankful. Lord, you know how thankful I am. Let's put our heart on the road and, and make sure, like Psalm 84 says, make sure our heart on the road is leading to where he is. Because the, all roads don't lead to God. Not all paths lead to heaven. 
There are many roads in this world. There are many religions in this world. There is only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh yes, it is, it is completely exclusive of all other religions. Absolutely, Christianity is exclusive. But at the same time, it is inclusive of all people as long as they come to him. And he says, therefore, go into all the world and preach the gospel that they may come to know me. It's completely exclusive and at the same time, completely inclusive. Because there's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I tell you what, every one of us, you know, in your own private life, in your own private journey... Let's take hold of these three points. Let's take a hold of the crossroads in our life and make sure that every time we hit a crossroads, it leads us to God, not away from him. Let's take a moment in our life and say, okay, you were with them, but today you said you'd never leave me. Take a hold of the word of God. Get excited about what God is doing. And, and every day, let's be saying, Holy Spirit, Today is a new day. Your mercies are new every morning. I may have made mistakes yesterday. I may have fallen flat on my, on my face. I may have blown it in my opinion. But today is a new day. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today, your mercies are new every morning. Every day that I get up, I've got another 86,400 seconds to live my life today. Let's live our best life for Jesus. Because he's worthy of it all. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, as we bow the knee naturally, physically, right now people at home may be bowing the knee to Jesus and just bowing before him. Father, I pray tonight that we would take a hold of your word, embrace it, receive it, and begin to outlive it in our lives. Father, forgive us for half-heartedness. Lord, forgive us when we've only given you a part and not all of who we are. Father, you gave us Jesus, not in part, but all of who he was, to do a wholeness work on our lives. And Father, we want to live wholeheartedly for you, seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And Father, I pray everyone who hears this message here or at home or in the week, Father, will be challenged by your Holy Spirit, quickened and empowered to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.